This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose. And welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up. We have fashion design legend and style icon, Dapper Dan. Coming up, I talked to Dapper about growing up in Harlem during the 50s and 60s, how he looks back at the popularity of Logomania and what it's like working with high-end fashion companies while also staying true to who he is. Up next, Dapper Dan. Let's go. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast, leave a five-star rating, and remember, the nomination window is open right now for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. It's open through July 31st. It's only a few more days left. You can help the Renaissance Man get on the final ballot by going to podcastawards.com and nominating our show in these four categories. Best Entertainment, Best Black Hosted, Best Society Slash Culture, and of course, The People's Choice. You're going to like this week's show. This week's theme is find your style. Hear me out when I say this. Fashion is a powerful tool that can influence how we think and feel about ourselves. If you wear something that you consider fashionable and flattering, guess what? You feel good. And when you feel good inside, that's when you give off that infectious energy that others are drawn to. That effect comes from how you see and carry yourself. Fashion can be self-love. And guess what? When you practice self-love, you project confidence. That's hard to ignore. But first, you got to figure out what your style is. And that's not just dressing. That's not just clothes. That's in any part of your life. What makes you happy? Are you trying to fit in the crowd or are you willing to stand out? Fashion is something that gives us the opportunity to speak for us without saying a word. What is an outfit that when you put it on, you feel like you can conquer the world? 
sometimes I wear outfits that I know most people probably won't like. But I like them, so I rock them anyway. That's the rule. And the thing is, it could be an expensive piece of clothing or it could be something that you discovered at Goodwill. The important thing is that it empowers you when you put it on and it brings out the best in you. My next guest knows all about the world of style. Dapper Dan is an international icon who discovered creative ways to flourish in the country where people that look like him have been suppressed for so very long. Coming up, I talked to Dap about how style changed in the past few decades. The legacy of his iconic Harlem boutique and what drives him to keep honoring black culture through his art. Up next, Dapper Dan. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. First and foremost, my next guest is the Harlem Icon, a legendary fashion designer and an international trailblazer in style. He is also the architect of the Logomania trend that can now be seen amongst the biggest clothing brands and the high-end fashion companies that once criminalized him for doing so in his early heyday. He recently collaborated with Gap to debut hoodies that sold out just as fast as they appear. It is my honor to welcome a legend to the show, Dapper Dan. Thank you for joining me, my brother. Man, thank you for having me, man. I'm so excited about this. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Thank you. You're a, a, a legend and an icon. And I have to ask you, what was it like for you growing up in Harlem? Well, Jalen, growing up in the 50s, I saw Harlem the way it will never be seen again. I'm the last generation that saw Harlem before a drug epidemic. I saw Harlem when everybody left their doors open. When there was no mugging and mistreatment of uh, older people, it was uh, there was uh, I I never lost one friend to to gang violence, you know. Mm. So I to be to sum it up, I think Martin Luther King had it right when he said that eleven o'clock Sunday morning was America's most segregated hour. I remember mm. we went to church. Every Sunday, and at 11 o'clock Sunday, you could see everybody emptying out of their houses to go into all the neighborhood churches. And that was the climate of the Harlem that I grew up with. That didn't change until the 60s, the first uh, drug epidemic. So I'm thankful for that early experience, and it taught me who we really are, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, it saddens me that young people never knew the Harlem that I knew. And the Harlem Renaissance in particular for black people is one of the most notable situations that we've had in the history of our country. Black people prospering, 
creating, innovating, celebrating. So talk about that era of Harlem. Well, that's exciting. And I, and I like to focus in on that there because I wanted to know what happened to that era. How did that era vanish? And um, in my book, I talk about gentrification coming to Harlem. But gentrification could not have come to Harlem if segregation did not vanish in, in, in the neighboring suburbs. So when I was growing up in Harlem, Jalen, middle class and, and lower class blacks lived in Harlem together. And they was, most of it was because they couldn't live outside of Harlem. You know, they had, the banks had redlining, so they couldn't get loans to move to the suburbs. And then there was segregation where they didn't want them in the Once that changed, you know, the banks started allowing the middle class to get loans and segregation, you know, began to change. And then the blacks, the middle class blacks left Harlem. And that's when the decline took place. So I grew up in an era where I might see a teacher walking down or, or some or, or a doctor or a black doctor. I saw us in every different uh, persuasion of life in Harlem. But once that changed, you know, um, Harlem changed. It was, it was just left. Only the poor people were left. So that changed the chemistry of Harlem. And I, I like to tell young people, like, um, a lot of people talk about Wall Street, Black Wall Street. Why we can't have another Black Wall Street? The same thing happened with Black Wall Street. We can't have another Black Wall Street because Black Wall Street did not have to compete because we were forced to buy from Black people. But once Black people had to compete against you know, other brands where people could go and shop anywhere. That's mm -hmm. why it could never be another Wall Street. But like Harlem on the other hand, I'm looking forward to the day when middle class can come back and to, you know, and regenerate this. And which is happening now and regenerate mm -hmm. this cultural energy that I saw growing up. And also like there, there have been so many movies that depict Harlem and make sure to credit Harlem for being everything you just acknowledged, like originators with fashion and culture and innovators. I remember a time just as a basketball fan and doing some research, Wilt Chamberlain was playing for the Sixers, but basically living in, in Harlem at that time. You know what? Not only was he living in Harlem, Big Wilt's Small Paradise was the last, and the first and last major uh, uh, venue for Harlem culture, a lot of people don't know. Before Big Wilt, Wilt Chamberlain, before he opened up Wilt's Smalls Paradise in Harlem on 135th Street, we had no history of anything being that huge and that popular mm. since the Cotton Club. But not wow. the Cotton Club that the people of color know about or that African Americans knew about, because the, the Cotton Club, we were not allowed to go into the Cotton Club. We could perform there, but not. But what a lot of facts that people don't understand is that the club that became the Cotton Club was actually owned by Jack Johnson, the fighter. And the, wow. gangster, and the gangster came along, Mad Dog Madden came along, made him off. He couldn't refuse. You know what I'm saying? listen, I need this club, you know, but I'll let you manage it. And that's when that club became the Cotton Club. But that wasn't for us. But the club that was for us was Big Wilt Chamberlain in my era. That was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. 
And so let, let's get to the 1980s because your iconic store, um, I've heard like the equivalence of what we see in New Jack City for fiends is what athletes, entertainers, celebrities needed when they wanted your clothes, mm -hmm. when they wanted your design. People coming into your store three, four in the morning. Talk to me about those days. Oh, those, those, those was the glory days. Uh, Jalen, what happened was like the only way I would have been able to like create a timetable, like what took place during the 80s, what I was able to do, is because I had three older brothers and I watched their their you know their cultural trajectory. So mm -hmm. my brothers were, I am right on the cusp of rock and roll and the jazz, right? So my brother and them, they were into jazz, and they followed Sammy Davis Jr., Nat King Cole, uh, uh, you know, um, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, mm -hmm. the Rat Pack. And so from that, mm -hmm. from that, that's how that defined how they was dressing, like the Rat Pack. It was that cool thing that was taking place. That sense of cool from them, you know, that Frank Sinatra picked it up, you know, from them and Dean Martin from them, that whole cool thing got passed down to me. And I saw, I said, well, wait a minute. That was during the jazz age, but now we got, you know, we got a hip hop age. I say, I can replicate that if I can come up with ideas that would give, you know, people an identity that can interface with the music of the day. You know, I said, okay. And so what was that about? Now, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and uh, Sammy Davis Jr., and Nat King Cole, I, I looked at the stores that they shopped at. Sighting, mm. I mean, Layton, Side Martin, Phil Kwan for all those stores. So stores was dominating then. But the shift took place. You had to go to those stores to be hip. But the shift came in the 80s where big brands were taking off, you know, like were getting that attention, like those stores got. So I said, that's what everybody wants to look like. So how can I take that look and give it the same flavor that the jazz musicians took the, the, the you know, those other stores and get a look? So I developed, I said, well, I'm going to make this look cool. But to be honest with you, my biggest inspiration on how to make something look cool came from me studying the zoot suit. What Cab mm. Calloway and all of them did with the zoot suit, the mm. zoot suit is the beginning yeah. of yeah. street fashion, culture on a high level. I said, look at this, you know? Mm -hmm. So when Dizzy Gillespie and the, and the jazz musicians went down to Cuba and the Cubans saw them with the zoot suits and the Cubans started wearing the zoot suits, they took it to Mexico. The Mexicans started wearing the zoot suits and they went into California and they started calling the zoot suits the Pachuco and they was wearing it. The, the Filipinos was wearing it, the Italians was wearing it. Mm -hmm. Then when you look at England and the Teddy Boys, the teddy boys, the white, mm -hmm. you know, lower class uh -huh. boys in England, I said, the zoot suit is where it all started. And it and Jalen, it always evolved around the music. I said, mm -hmm. okay. Now, all my research allowed me to open the window up to see, oh, okay, I'm gonna make this cool. I'm gonna make Gucci cool. I'm gonna make Fendi cool. I'm gonna make all of them cool. And how do you make something cool? You give them more than they ever had. Mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, I gave him more Gucci. I gave him more Louis. I gave him, you know what? And that's how, and that gave birth to uh, what we call today Logomania, you know? Correct. 
Yeah. Correct. And, 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 and by the way, as a Detroiter, I got it. Uh, I was born in 73 in a different way. So I got it from like Barry Gordy in Motown. Yeah. I got it watching on TV from like Don Cornelius and seeing he was cool and got it from you not initially knowing when I saw a rap video with Eric B and Rakim and they got on MCM, they got on Gucci, they got on Louie, and then people started doing it in cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. So what was that period like for you to see Logo Mania just become something that was like j j just so very popular? Yeah, but uh, Jalen, like I said, it's, it was all tied into the music. Logo Mania would not be what it is today if I didn't realize the other side of the coin from music is fashion, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, the ability to make it pop, uh, popular had everything to do with, you know, the uh, birth of hip hop, you know? So now I have a vehicle and hip hop is the vehicle. And then I have an idea, logo mania. And I, and I blended those two together to take it to where it is today. So I say, well, you know what? If, uh, they like the clothes. Let me do the furniture. If they like the furniture, let me do the cars. You know, <laughs> let me do the jeeps. Let me. You can't get your whole car done. Let me do your wheel cover. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Jalen. So I, I just just kept expanding on it. Yeah, the same way we kept expanding on the music. I kept yep. expanding on ideas on how to take fashion and give it that special thing because everybody wants to be special. But Jalen, one of the main things that I learned was like because I grew up poor. Goodwill was my Macy's and all I got was hand-me-downs. And what I noticed, the biggest thing about me doing what I did, I learned, Jalen, I learned the transformative power of fashion. Yes. I come from East Harlem. The buildings that I grew up in were so dilapidated that to graduate from my buildings, that's when you got an apartment in the projects. So mm. that just shows you. I come from the poorest of the poor in Harlem, right? But Jalen, when I put on something new, you know, mm. and went downtown, nobody knew where I lived. That's mm -hmm. it. You know, it gave you a different feeling. And that's the feeling I'm, I captured when I started Logomania. I can, I said, you might come out the project, you might come out of those dilapidated buildings that I grew up in. But if you get dressed and you go downtown, you're not in that building. You're in that mm -hmm. new moment, man. And, and I saw that mm -hmm. new moment, man. Capture that new moment, Jalen. That's it. I it took off from there. Absolutely. And fashion is personality. It's a lifestyle. It's our culture. It's, as you mentioned, it was the, the rise of hip-hop, also R&B and music. So I have to ask you, like, who are some of the more memorable celebrities that you remember doing things for their videos or making custom outfits? fits for customizing their cars that type of thing um Jalen like um the most important artists are the ones that allow myself and them to tell the story okay and so that would be I'm gonna go through it right that made a significant deal a difference in the culture because I wanted I want what I do to tell the story right so Jalen mm -hmm. Eric B and Rock King Kong Eric B is a swag man, street swag style. So I made his Gucci look swag. Rakim is a five percenter. So he's on a spiritual journey as well as swag journey. So I took his outfit and talked to him and I put the five percenter sign. So he's, mm -hmm. he's making a spiritual statement 
while he's doing his swag thing. Eric B is is doing his swag thing, right? Okay, next case. Um, Jungle Brothers come along. Mm, they say they say they mm. say, yo, yeah, you know, we on this uh black power thing, you know. So I said, okay, let's sit down and devise something that represents that. So I made all their outfits in red, green, and black. Mm -hmm. What it would be like designer stuff. Mm -hmm. Next, the next one come along. Uh, Boogie Down Production. Oh, they come along. Yeah. So they are on this Jamaican roster stuff. So I say, hold on. Let's use the roster colors. You know, I designed something. So people say, Dap, how did you stay relevant for 35 years? I say, Jalen, I tell him, I say, I am as irrelevant as the culture. You know, I always mm -hmm. equate the culture to me growing up in the Hollow River. Before I dive, mm -hmm. we used to swim in the Hollow River then, Jalen, when I was growing mm -hmm. up. But before wow. we before we dive into the river, we into the river, we had a bank as well as a dock. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to dive off the dock, but end up in the bank so we don't drown, right? So we would take mm -hmm. a popsicle and throw it into the water so we know which way the current was going. That wow. way, when we dive in, we can get out. And that's wow. the way I looked at the culture. I say, listen, in fashion, wow. you got to know which way the current is going. Mm -hmm. You know? So when you dive in, you got to know when to get out. And how do you do that? You throw a popsicle in. All the artists mm -hmm. that came to me, they represented that popsicle. You follow yeah. what I'm saying? They let me know which way the culture was going. And so what I did, I embraced whatever it is that they wanted to look like, whatever they were saying, whatever they was doing. So for young artists, young people who are involved in fashion, what they need to do is, yes, be creative. Give that creativeness of yourself, but look at those who you are creating from and extract from mm -hmm. them. You know what I'm saying? So you never, you will never be like... Obsolete, because you'll always be able to follow the current. Absolutely. And you're a major part of that popsicle for this current generation, including myself. And let me tell you something you may or may not know. A couple of years ago, as we both rock our Gucci frames, looking fresh to death, it's only right. I rock in my fear of God, black designer. Um, There were a couple of years ago where... Gucci had some some ads come out or some pictures come out and they were unflattering to a lot of our people. And so we were in like a holding pattern. I remember I have a Gucci backpack. I have one now. I parked it until I heard from you. I parked it until I heard from you. So what was that period like for you knowing like there was a period of time in your career where brands like that were trying to shut you down now these are the same type of brands clearly that should be doing business with you they should be giving you a blank check but also relying on your expertise and we trusting your voice in a situation like that well Jalen, i'm glad you asked that question because that was a critical moment that was a very critical moment not only in fashion but in public relations between the races, you know what I'm saying? So I had to do two things. I had to hold those who make the mistake, in this case, Gucci, accountable. That's number one. And number two, I had to 
deliver a message to my people that remember how we got where we are today. Mm. You see? So the voices that we were hearing was like, don't buy from these brands. Don't buy from these brands. But those are not the voices that got us to where we are today. Where we are today is based on us being inside, you know, inside and making a difference inside. So to be Correct. inside, you do not walk away from the brand. You follow what I'm saying? I thought, man, you know, basketball. Look, mm -hmm. we 80% of basketball, but somebody had to be first. Somebody had to get in the door. Look yep. at the NFL. Everywhere you see us, we are there because somebody got us in the door. We didn't get Correct. mad. My father, when I, my, I used to listen to my father talking about all the black, the Negro League, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But we all, every industry needed a Jackie Robinson. Mm -hmm. You follow what I'm saying? So Absolutely. Jackie Robinson, with all the things that he had to go through, you know, mm -hmm. ain't nobody tell him, look, walk away. No, he had to open doors. And that's what it's about. You know, so if these brands make a mistake, or if they do it intentionally, it, you know, if you shoot somebody by accident or shoot them on purpose, they still did. But okay, given right. that fact, right? Never mind why it was done. What is the objective of what we should do? You know, you cannot change things from the outside. You change things from the inside. And time and time throughout our history here in America, we have been doing that from the inside. So I said to our people on the grassroots level, because I, you know, I take the bus, the train, I'm interacting with our people every day. When I let them know, well, we gotta get inside. You know, we can't get mad and walk away because like we accomplish nothing like that. Correct. We will take an insult and then turn it into an injury mm. instead of prosperity. Mm. Insult into an injury versus prosperity. And I, I love that you've gone there because this reminds me of when Jay-Z partnered with the NFL. There were a lot of people saying, should he, are they going to listen? Is that going to get Colin back into the league? And what you just said is basically what he said. Change has to happen from within having a seat at the table. Exactly. And that that's what you're describing. And so, for you, how important is it for those brands that you work with, Gap, and so many other successful brands, align with your vision, knowing that that's important to you? Yeah. The first thing they have to do is what Gucci did. You know, I set the uh, architectural drawing for them to see. And I told Gucci, I said, if you want to partner with me, you got to come to Colin. You have to come to Holland. You know? Mm. You, we have to do it here. It has to start here. The ideas that they are prospering off today came from here. You know, I need for you to come here. I need for me to have my own atelier here. I need to be able to produce my stuff here. I need to be able to make a profit here. I need for people here to see what I can do. You know what I'm saying? So that's what they all had to do. And the sad part about this, we had the, the formula to do big things about that, you know? If we didn't walk away, if so many people didn't walk away, middle-class blacks didn't walk away because they was angry and they would have used all this energy to put it on the other brands, we need to make all the other brands follow what Gucci did, you mm -hmm. know? Now, just listen, Jalen, recently, 
It wasn't by accident. Brother, uh, and, I, and I miss this brother, man. I got stories to tell you about. Um, Virgil Abloh, right? Yes. Virgil mm -hmm. Abloh, phenomenal, right? When Louis Vuitton saw Gucci put me in that space that I was in, their competition had no other choice but to go get Virgil. Mm. And that's what change is about. You create mm. a need on the inside for them to come get us. You know, we're not in all these athletic fields, you know, mm -hmm. out of kindness. You know, they needed mm -hmm. us to compete and they constantly had to get, come get us. And that's exactly what happened. Straight across the board. Mm -hmm. So every time we get one to make change, we have to, that puts pressure on the other ones, you know, and we needed to take advantage of that pressure to move things ahead. Every brand should have a change makers program. Now look what happened. Mm -hmm. Gucci had to go get a change makers and initiate our inclusivity and diversity mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. Just recently, Louis Vuitton had to do the same thing, mm -hmm. you know? And I want to tell all the brothers and sisters this. A lot of the controversy stem from us thinking that we are a majority of the people who buy luxury brands. We are only three to 5% of the people who buy luxury brands. We are 85% of the reason that people buy luxury brands. Mm. You know, mm. everybody wants to dance like we dance, sing mm -hmm. like we sing, be cool mm -hmm. like we cool. You know, mm -hmm. our major export to the world is culture. Yes. You know, we have to capitalize off culture and we can't capitalize off culture by getting mad at nobody. Mm -hmm. We got to go up those cultural staircases and gain power as we rise up. And, and I appreciate your leadership and your voice and creativity, because as we stand on the shoulders of giants, as you just mentioned, and as athletes to make top dollar and as entertainers and have clothing lines and seeing, you know, our favorite athletes to entertainers going to the Met Gala and having, what is it like for you to now see how fashion has changed to where it's, become more mainstream to look and sound and use our culture? Well, to me, it's a warning sign. It's a warning sign. It's a bugle call to people of color. This is what culture, our culture can do. Mm. All right. You know, one of the great things about, and it's a sad thing, it's a double-edged sword. One of the most significant things about people of color here in America is that because we were stripped of culture, mm -hmm. we constantly are building on culture. Mm. You know what I mean? We constantly, yes. we, each generation brings about a cultural evolution within music or art or fashion. Mm -hmm. It's what we mm -hmm. do, you know? But we only get a limited amount of time to do that. That's why we have to work hard. The rap generation, the rap culture is the first cultural platform we ever had that we could make money off fashion. That has never happened before. Mm -hmm. So that shows you how we expanded. Jalen, so many young black men are coming up to me saying, Dap, I got my own fashion brand. Dap. So yes. this is like it's instilling in young men the possibilities. You follow what I'm saying? So this is going to extend as long as we have the power of a particular cultural platform. But what we have to understand is that 
we constantly get cultural platforms, and this is the first one that we can expand on. When you look back of all the other genres, you know what I mean? All the other musical genres, we weren't able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have to look at them and say, well, this lasted a certain amount of time, this lasted a certain amount of time. So what step, what stops the flow of us being the possibilities? What stops the flow? Is when other people imitate our culture. Yes. You know, so it's time for something new. You know what I'm saying? It's time for something new. And as hip hop spreads out, all these other people, other uh, countries and other, you know, ethnic groups, wherever have you, as they get their own rap artists, I don't want to start mentioning names, but as Correct. they develop, it weakens the power of where it starts. So we got to start all over again. So we have to take this platform now, expand on it while it's still there, prepare for the next platform and understand how it works. Oh, man. You are preaching, and I'm so very grateful you joined me today. Renaissance Man family, you guys getting a chance to listen to a legend, an icon. I'm going to also write a column in the New York Post about this, and I'm also going to send you a framed copy of what's going to appear in the New York Post because I'm so grateful that you joined me. But before you get out of here, I have a rapid-fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this, Dap? Okay, let me hear it. All right, so... I have a couple of terms I like to use for myself when I feel like I'm clean. Okay. One of them is suited and booted. The other one is cleaner than a board of hell. Okay. Can you give me another term that I can use to add to that? Oh, uh, two flies never die. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What's the most overrated fashion trend you've seen today? Crocs. Oh yeah, right, right. Yeah. I'm not rolling Crocs, either. No, you ain't rolling. I'm like not rolling that. either. They they, yeah. they don't go with no nice pants. No. They don't go with pants. They, yeah, they, I, 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 I'm rolling with that too. Um, shoe shining was your first hustle as a teenager. Yes. Where do you go these days for the best shine? My bedroom. <laughs> OG I, I with got it. All kind of tricks for the new shoes, you know. Like I was showing a young kid the other day. I said, "Why your shoes all fucked up?" I said, man, go get you some alcohol. <laughs> the alcohol wiped them off. He said, damn, I've been walking around too much like this. And all you did was take alcohol and wipe it off. But these are, these are the tricks I learned when I was shining shoes, you know? Absolutely. You attended your first Met Gala in 2019. Name a celebrity whose fashion sense actually impressed you. I like, I would say ASAP Rocky. It's just, mm, you know, great it's, it's not even great so one. much. What he put it on is how he walks in it. You know, ASAP Rocky looked like the, the like he's the one that makes it happen. And that's what an outfit should do, you know? It's and not so much the outfit, because a lot of people can wear if you can take you can take something cheap and put it on and mm-hmm. nobody know, it's how you put it on and, and then the image that you generated with that. Rocky does that, man. Yeah, he does Yeah, it. he does. He does. He's killing them. And lastly, but certainly again, it's been a pleasure to have you on. You've you've been responsible for countless designs and creations over the years. We talked about Logo Mania in particular. But if you had to pick one that you said that you're the most proud of and why, what would that be? Uh, which which logo or, or which outfit would, would it be? 
Yep. I, I, anything that you've been you've been responsible for so many designs and creations. If you had to okay. pick one that you're the most proud of, I'm 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 a, I'm a, I'm gonna give you a series of one. I'm a, one is one guy, but it's in a number of outfits, and that would be Pretty Boy Floyd. Pretty Boy mm. Floyd, uh, he epitomizes everything that I stand for. He comes in with ideas, and I translate his ideas, you know, and mm. he takes it to the world, man. You know, he knocks people out with it, literally, you know, in yes. the ring and outside of the ring. Pretty Boy Floyd is like somebody who went into the ring with outfits that you can go to a, 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 a red carpet show or to a ball mm -hmm. with, you know? That has mm -hmm. never happened before. So the things that I did with Pretty Boy Floyd, that collection, you know, the, the alligators, the crocodiles, the furs, mm -hmm. you never seen, you know, he was, he was a, I mean, he was a boxing runway, you know? Yes. So that would be yes. Well said. And you're right. Money Mayweather be killing them with the fashion. But again, it all comes back to you being a legend and icon and your influence. I'm forever grateful that you took the time to join me, my brother. And when I get to Harlem, I'm coming to the shorter. I'm coming to the store to shop. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Jayden, Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. This has been fun. Last call. I'd like to thank Dap for stopping by the podcast. To be honest, he a legend. He an OG. I could have talked to him forever. I'm a huge fan of his. A major fan. The way I looked up to Magic Johnson in basketball, that's how I looked up to Dapper Dan in fashion. Y'all saw me on draft day wearing that red and white suit. That was thought about. Those red gators, that was thought about. That was planned. Until now, it's not just the outfit, it's the hair, it's the frames. But but I must tell you, the one thing that stuck out to me the most about talking to Dap is how he sticks to his beliefs, even after everything he's been through in his career. And his handling of the Gucci blackface scandal in 2019 was incredible. I parked my Gucci backpack until I heard from Dap, and then I put it back on my back. He was the only person that could have set the brand straight and he did he made gucci accountable but not only made him accountable forced them to create a plan to work with them in harlem moving forward and one of his statements he wrote i'm a black man before i'm a brand that has proven time and time again that he is so much more than a fashion designer He's an actual change maker. And now, here's something for you to think about. How would you finish this sentence? Before I am a brand, I am a. What do you identify as? And how are you standing up for who you are? Remember, building that personal strength also means figuring out your character. And make sure you're suited and booted. Make sure you clean it in the board of hell while doing so. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.